0: Memorial Day originally was a commemoration of those who had died in the Civil War. Later, it was expanded to include all U.S. war dead. I think it is also a fitting time to celebrate the Lord's Supper because it also is a memorial. It is a memorial of Christ's death on the cross for the sins of mankind. And while we participate in the Lord's Supper here at First Baptist Church, our deacons are in the homes of our homebound members, and they are participating with us in this Lord's Supper by television. I think that Dennis said we had 28 who are participating in their homes today. So let's look at the most familiar passage of Scripture concerning the Lord's Supper as it's recorded in First Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 23. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. The Lord's Supper, then, is a memorial of remembrance. Now, let me ask you a question. How will you be remembered when you are no longer here? After your life has ended, what will be your memory? Well, I thought about that yesterday somewhat, and I thought, well, now, what about Steve? How how will people remember him when he's no longer here? Well, Steve is going to be remembered as having all these great productions and great music and great choir and all those things, along with some other things, but he'll be remembered for those productions. And then as I was walking in, I saw Eli Wishard, and I thought to myself, now, how is Eli going to be remembered? Well, he's going to be remembered for the pranks that he has played on so many of us through the years. And then I asked myself the question, well, now, how will you be remembered when you are gone? How will people remember you? And I don't know. I thought about it and I said, well, he wasn't much of a pastor. But I think the way that it will end up is they will say, well, he wasn't as bad as I thought he was. Jesus established the Lord's Supper as his memorial. That is how we remember Jesus. Now, you are probably aware that the Lord's Supper corresponds to the Jewish Passover. In the Jewish Passover, there were two primary elements of it. First of all, there was the eating of the Passover meal. The Bible says in Deuteronomy sixteen three, 3, "...seven days you shall eat with it unleavened bread." The bread of affliction for you came out of the land of Egypt in haste in order that you may remember all the days of your life the day when you came out of the land of Egypt. So in the Jewish Passover then there was the eating of the Passover meal which was a reminder to them of their time in Egyptian slavery. It was a bitter meal that reminded them of a bitter time. So the first element of the Jewish Passover then was the eating of the Passover meal. The second part of it was the telling the story of their redemption. The Bible says in Exodus 13:8, "And you shall tell your son on that day, saying, it is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt." So, in the Passover uh, meal then there was the eating of the meal that reminded of them them of their time in slavery, and then there was the telling of their descendants of god 's deliverance of them from their bondage. The lord's Supper corresponds to that; it is a memorial of christ 's deliverance of us from our sin. In John chapter 1 verse 29 the Bible says the next day he, speaking of John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming to him and said behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So I want you to understand this is important that Jesus then was the Passover Lamb. He was the Passover Lamb. So when we participate then in the Lord's Supper, the bread Reminds us of his broken body in verse number 24 of our text when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me so when the bread then is passed in a little bit it is to remind you of the broken body of Jesus we know that Jesus was mocked that he was spat upon. That he was slapped, that his beard was plucked, that he was beaten, and that he was crucified. So when you take the bread, that is a reminder to you of the broken body of Jesus. The juice is a reminder of his shed blood. Now you'll notice there in verse number 25. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Blood is mentioned 427 times in the Bible. It is the means of our purification. In 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 18 and 19, Peter wrote, Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life, Inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. All right? So when you receive the juice, it is a reminder to us of the shed blood of Jesus. In analysis, it was perfect. The Bible says that he was unblemished and spotless. Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus, later said, I have betrayed innocent blood. Jesus stood before Pilate. Pilate thoroughly interrogated him. And then he concluded, I find no guilt in him. John recorded in him is no sin. So understand when we talk about the blood here, in analysis, it is perfect. In application, it was absolutely pure. The Bible says in Hebrews 9, 14, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So in application then, the blood is pure. In action, it is perpetual. Now you know about the sacrifices of the Old Testament and how they had to be repeated. But Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice one time and that was sufficient. The scripture says in Hebrews 10, 12, But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. Therefore, in acquittal, it is permanent. The word acquittal means to pay off, to free, to clear, to absolve. And then it has a far-reaching meaning extending from the past to the future. Now we're talking about the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. It has the power to cleanse from the past to the future. The blood of Jesus cleanses our past sins, the sins of yesterday. When we we trust the Lord Jesus, his blood cleanses us from the sins of yesterday. A couple of weeks ago, I read an article about a woman who worked at a bank and she was fired for shoplifting 40 years ago. Aren't you glad when you put your faith in Jesus Christ that the sins of yesterday were washed away? See, that's what Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 44, 22, I have wiped out your transgressions like a thick cloud and your sins like a heavy mist. The psalmist tells us that our sins will be removed as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. So when we talk about the shed blood of Jesus and the power of the blood of Jesus, it is sufficient to cleanse us from the sins of yesterday, from the sins of today. My friend, no matter what you're engaged in today, if you're willing to put your faith in Jesus Christ and trust Him, the Bible says that His blood will cleanse you of the sins of today. Not only... Is His blood sufficient to cleanse us from the sins of yesterday and today, but also of the future? John wrote, the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So the Lord's Supper then is a memorial of remembrance. And then it is a memorial of reaffirmation. As we participate in the Lord's Supper, it is a time for us to reaffirm some things about Jesus. We reaffirm what we know about His sacrificial death, that He died as a ransom. The Scripture says in Matthew 20, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give His life a ransom for many. You know the word ransom means the price that is paid for captive. And so the Scripture says that Jesus died as a ransom. It says that He died as our advocate. John wrote, My little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. What that means is that Jesus is your attorney. He is my attorney. And he's one who never loses a case. So he is our advocate. The Bible says that he is our propitiation, which means that he satisfies the holiness of God. So as we participate in the Lord's Supper, it is a time when we reaffirm our faith. It is a memorial of reconciliation. Now then, concerning the church in Corinth, they had desecrated the memorial. How had they done that? They had desecrated the memorial that was given to them. How? Well, first of all, by division in verse number 18. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you, and in part, I I believe it. Now, you know that Jesus prayed for the unity of the church. Unity of the body is very important to the Lord. We cannot overly emphasize the importance of unity within the body. And yet in the Corinthian church, they were divided. Why? Well, they were divided the same reasons that we're divided oftentimes today, over leadership, there were some of them didn't like the leader. Some said, well, you know, I'm, I'm, my, my preacher's Apollo. Somebody said, well, you know, I, don't, I can't understand him. I sort of like the Apostle Paul. He's smarter than Apollo's anyway. Somebody said, I don't like either one of them. I like Simon Peter. Peter's a good old boy. I like him. Some said, we don't like anybody. We'll just follow after Jesus. So they were divided over leadership. They do, were divided over doctrine, over, especially over spiritual gifts. They were divided in their worship. If you look at verse number 20... He says, therefore, when you meet together, it's not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first. One is hungry and another is strong. They were divided over economics. What had happened in the Corinthian church is that you had some members who were rich. You had some who were poor. So you had the 1% and the 99%. So you had this division within the church. But all those who were rich, they'd get over in their little corner and eat together. And all those who were poor, they'd get over here and eat. So they were divided. They were divided in their worship. They were divided doctrinally. They were divided concerning leadership. So they were divided. Now then, how do we reconcile a desecrated church? You look backward. Verse number 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink a cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. All right, so folks, here's what's important for us. And this is the way I think that, that unity is kept in the church. We look back to the cross and we see Jesus' death for us. So we look backwards. And then we look forward. In verse number 26, he continues until he comes. So we look back to see the sacrifice that Christ paid for us. And then we look forward, remembering and reminding ourselves that Jesus is coming again. Our Lord is coming again. And then we look up and see his love and sacrifice. Because when we truly see the Lord Jesus... When we truly see the Lord Jesus, there is a difference that is made in our lives. And there is a difference in the way I look at you when I see Jesus. It's a memorial of renewal. As we participate in the supper, it should be a time of renewal. Now, to do that, there has to be personal examination. In verse number 28, he says, Let a man examine himself, so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And he goes on from there. The word examine means to prove, to test. Vine says it means to prove with a view to approve. Now, he says that personal examination is critical. Why? He said because some of you didn't, you are weak, and that describes a, a debilitating, uh, long debilitating illness. He said uh, some of you are sick, and that literally means without health, which speaks of a chronic condition. And he said some sleep, which means that they had died because they had not properly examined themselves. So in verse number 33, he says, so then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. So he says that we are to come together as we participate in the Lord's Supper. There is to be a spirit of unity, not just physically, but also spiritually, a spirit of unity. And he says, wait for one another, which means that you put others before yourself. Let me conclude. The Lord's Supper is a memorial. It reminds us of his death. It is a time of reaffirmation as we reaffirm our commitment to him. It is a time of reconciliation as we confess our sin. And it's a time of renewal as we renew our faith in him. As we come to the Lord's Supper, we always extend an invitation. Because if God has spoken to your heart about something you need to do, this is the time you need to do it. Father, we pray your blessings upon this invitation time. I pray your anointing. I pray, Lord, for those who need to commit their lives to you, that they will do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me, please, as we stand. The choir sings as they sing. You come if you've never trusted Christ. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open to you. You come. I'll greet you as you do. said, therefore, to him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread also which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. Our Father, as we come to participate in your Memorial Supper, we are reminded of the broken body of the Lord Jesus, of the sacrifice that you made on our behalf for our redemption. And Lord, we praise you as we participate in Jesus' name. Amen. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Our Father, the juice is a reminder of the shed blood of Jesus, by which we are purified, by which we are cleansed. Your word declares, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice and for your cleansing blood by which we are forgiven and cleansed. In Christ's name, amen.
1: son God wrote his love on a hillside so long long oh, for you and for me Jesus died and love's grace
0: This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me.